say hi to all you guys. Good to see all, so many of you here this morning. It's great. Um, and then for those who are listening online, we welcome you guys too. We're glad that you're taking some time with us uh, online using technology for good. It's, it's great. Uh, if, you've, if you're visiting with us or haven't been here in a little bit, you're kind of coming in at the, the mid-portion of a series that we've been uh, in, and we're talking about the, the topic of money and uh, just seeing what we can, what we can learn about about what, uh, what, what our world thinks about money, what God thinks about money. Just a uh, disclaimer, we're not taking up an extra offering at the end of the service, so you can just sit back, relax, your wallet's staying in your pocket. If people still have wallets, we're not, uh, you know, we're, don't, no worries on any of that. Uh, and if uh, you think, you know, you're here and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus and somebody just sort of convinced you to come and you're like, yeah, I knew it, the church is just all about money, I encourage you to keep listening because I think you may learn something this morning that actually will be beneficial for you whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And so the reason we actually started doing this series a couple, a couple months ago, I was reading an article and just reading about Canadians and their, and their kind of their financial status and, and, and realizing it, it's not really that good for the average Canadian right now. Uh, the, and a lot of them don't even realize that it's, it's not that good. And so they were, they were doing some polls and they, they came uh, with this kind of this consensus at the end of all these questions. They said that the, the Canadians who understand or have a good understanding of financial matters, they're the ones who are, are most likely to do something about it. But there's this whole other group of people who, uh, who don't have a very good understanding of money and how, how finances work. They don't understand how interest works. And they said that that group of people is much more likely to be stressed about it and have anxiety over it, to worry about it. And their first week, we looked at how all that stress and all that anxiety and all that worry can actually... Um, uh, affect you physically, and, and it's, it's not a fun way to live, you know, when you have to think about money, and that's, and you're like, oh, I, I, I don't like talking about that. We learned in week one that money can be a master, that we can own stuff, we, we know that, but what we learned is that stuff can own us, that, that, and, and when it owns us, man, it makes for some, it, it breaks down relationships. I was talking with a guy um, uh, yesterday, actually, and he was just sharing with me how his um, marriage ended as a result of the stuff that we've been talking about. He, not, not just now, but this idea of finances being something that they fought about. And, and we realized that, that many marriages suffer as a result of stuff owning a person or they can't figure out how to use money well and it breaks things down. In week two, we learned we can trust God with our, with our financial areas uh, um, and we can trust that he's a loving father. In week three, we learned that God wants us to think like managers of his stuff rather than owners of our stuff. As soon as we think it's mine, 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 things start to go off the tracks at that point. And so at the last thing, uh, the last week, we, we ended with this, um, with this saying that we borrowed from Andy Stanley. It says, you got to be knowing. You got to be knowing. Where your money's going. You've got to be knowing where your money's going. So we were challenging you to spy on your money for a week and see, you know, to, to join the track team. And we gave, we gave you the opportunity to take home some sheets of paper. And we said, you know, it, it really is the wisest people who would be uh, doing this. You'll, you'll see this again um, today. But to just go through and say, this is, this is where I'm spending money. This week was like crazy for me as I'm sitting there. Like I bought a car and so I'm like, oh man, you know, I got to write that down. And, but I realized something was really interesting. I actually saved money this week simply because I had to track it. You know, I drove past Tim Hortons a couple times this week. When I wanted to go in, I'm like, I'm going to have to write that down. No, I'm just going to keep going. I'll have coffee at home. I saved at least four bucks and 20 cents, right? So 
That's pretty good uh, because it, it, it just begins to, it begins to affect your mind when you start thinking about it. And so we want to encourage you. You still have the opportunity to do that. And if you, did, you went through and you tracked, you're like, oh, I learned, some, I learned some different things. You can still join in and encourage you to do it. There's some sheets at the back. All you do is write down, you know, the date that you purchased something, what you purchased and what you spent. If it's not all in order, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're tracking, you know, what, where, your, where your money's going. We usually know where the money comes in. It's like my boss gives me the money, right? That's, that's where the check comes from, or, you know, the child tax benefit. That's where the money comes in. We all know that. We're good at that part. It's the other spot where we want to encourage you to do this. And for those who feel like, you know, the guilted about it, or like that I'm going to follow up on you, or that the next time I come to your house, I'm going to look at your stuff and be like, you know, oh no, like he saw what I buy. You know, that's not what this is about. This is much about me as it is about each and every one of us. And just to allow God to do some things in our life as we, as we see what, what his desire for the priority and the purpose of money in our lives. So we'll jump in today. Last week we ended with, a, with an illustration of a, of balancing funds being, and balancing your finances being compared to balancing a, 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 a stick or a pole. And, and we learned that there's some laws, there's some things you got to do. You have to have the, the, the right per, um, perspective. You've got to keep your, um, your eyes on, on, on uh, the, that one thing. And that's obviously when you're balancing a pole, it's keeping your eyes on the top of the pole. And when you're trying to balance your spending and your money, it's keeping your eyes on your spending and watching it, making sure that you never take your eyes off of it. Because what happens when you take your eyes off of it? It crashes instantly. It, didn't, it took seconds before uh, when, when I take my eyes off of it that it crashes. But you know what's really interesting? When you take your eyes off your money for a little while, do you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing actually happens when you stop watching your finances. You're like, oh, yeah, I didn't track this week. And you didn't go bankrupt, right? It wasn't like instantly something happened. You know, like um, with, with dropping the pole, it's instantly. You know, uh, that old story of when we were kids of Pinocchio, what happened every time he lied? Right, instantly his nose grows longer, right? And so, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it help us if, you know, when we made fi bad financial decisions, our nose would grow? It'd be like, oh man, you know, I supersized when I shouldn't have. You know, it's like, oh man, I bought that car when I really should have bought the one that was, I should have bought the used car instead of the new one. And you know, it'd be walking around, everybody would either realize, wow, they're a really bad spender or they're Dutch. But they, you know, the, they got these, you know, that, that idea of this, we, we, people would know and you'd be like, I'm going to really watch my spending. I'm really going to make good financial decisions because it's going to be aware. Uh, everybody's going to be able to tell instantly. The thing is, it doesn't happen that way. And so as a result, we don't really pay all that close of attention to the financial decisions we make. And then surprisingly, Canadians, we find ourselves in these, these financial troubles. And, and uh, for some, it's like, you know, I think everything's going okay. And so I want to encourage you with some thoughts this morning that, that maybe, you know, you're not in that, you're not in that aware of that you're in any kind of financial danger, but you may be heading there. And so this morning, we just want to look at, uh, at two things. The, the first step um, of, uh, of, of balance is keeping your eye on it. And that's what we said last, last week, keeping your eye on it. But the second step is this, it's, it's that balance, balancing a pole requires constant correction. As I'm balancing the pole, I'm not going to try it again, but it's, uh, my hand is always moving because I'm making sure that I've got to do whatever I need to do down here to make sure that that pole stays up there. And balance, everything requires balance. You know, like biking. I, I'm, I went online, I'm just like, my kids and I, we watch AFB and we just laugh our guts out of this stuff. You know, people lose their balance and, and then this happens. You know, or if they're skiing and they lose their balance, well, then this happens. And, and this is my favorite. If they're skateboarding and they lose their balance, then yeah, this happens, right? So we, we 
we, we watch AFB and we're like, oh, it's hilarious that people would videotape these, these things where they're out of balance and, and, and this is what happens, is a, this, these, these crashes. But, you know, we never do that when it's with our finances. You know, we never end up, it's never a laughing matter when you realize, uh-oh, I don't have enough to pay and the bank keeps calling and I just don't have it. Then it's not a, it's not a funny matter at all. And some of you, as you were tracking, some of you are like, I know where my money's going. It's going to my favorite person, Tim Horton. You know, that's where most of my money is going, or a lot of it. And maybe for you, you learned, you know, most of my money is going to my retirement plan. You know, I'm planning ahead, you know, Lotto 649, Lotto Ontario, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win it. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming of, be, of being debt-free. You know, it's, it's this idea of, you know, tracking your spending, but you still have an issue. Step one is find out where it's going. That's what we talked about last week. Find out, spy, see where you're spending your money. Today is a really simple step. It's this, tell your money where to go. Tell it where to go. That's the, that's the thing. If once you realize, oh, this is where it is going, now's the time to say intentionally, I'm going to tell it where to go. And here's why. If you're taking some notes, write this one down. Money doesn't have a mind of its own. Your money doesn't have a mind of its own. It's not just going, you know, out there like, I don't, it's just always gone. It just, it just runs away. You know, maybe you had a dog like that. I did. I had a dog named Lucy that, that dog seriously had a mind of its own. You'd call it, it'd go the other way. Um, we lived in Dover, and, and the dog would bark, and it's like minus 20 out, and barking at the door, wants to go out, and like, yeah, I don't have to put it on the leash. It's minus 20, right? It, it'll come back this time. And sure enough, two hours later, I'm out wandering around Dover in the middle of the night looking for a white dog in a snowstorm because that dog has a mind of its own. It's going to do whatever it wants. And maybe you have children, you know, that have a mind of their own. Um, uh, uh, we have one of those for sure. Well, they all do, but we got one that's definitely got a mind of his own. And so the other day we're out walking and as we're walking, something, we're walking around the pond. We're, they were biking. I was walking and all of a sudden there's only three kids and you're like, oh man, just one day watching the children. I lost one. Right. And I realized he's like, I see, I see him at the end and you can guess who it is. I'm like, Max, cause I told him, don't, don't, don't go too far ahead. Right. I'm like, Max. And he doesn't hear me. So I'm like, Max. Nothing. Then that's when you bring in middle names because then they know Maddox, Ari, and Dirk. I don't know why we named him that, but anyways, he's um, it didn't work. I should have named middle names that worked, but so then finally I start running after him to find out, and he's booking it. He's get, he saw a puppy and he was gonna get to that puppy, and so he gets to the thing and finally catch up to him. Like Max, I told you, you got to stay with us. I'm like, didn't you hear me? He's like, I didn't hear you the first three times, Dad. And I'm like, oh, you know, I know you did. You're like, just that innocent, beautiful face. I'm like, oh. You know, great, but mind of his own. Mind of his own. He's just going to go do what he, what he wants. And I'm um, going to take some parenting courses to learn how to parent that in a positive way. But, but has a mind of his own. But money doesn't have a mind of its own. Money doesn't just, you know, go and decide it's going to go do something. Money goes where you tell it to go. And sometimes that's why, that's why we said you need to be knowing where your money's going because you're actually telling it to go there, but maybe you're not telling it intentionally. Maybe you're not saying intentionally, hey, I want it to go there. It's just kind of, you know, because you're not planning it, it's just going somewhere. Some have no idea how they got into the financial messes they're in. Some have no idea when they find out that they don't have enough money, like, I just don't know how this happened. And then they do something very spiritual. You know what they do? They pray, oh, dear Lord, I don't know what happened, but you got to help me. You know, I'm your kid. We sing about it. You're a good, good father. Please give me my allowance, right? You're like praying, and, and, and yet, you know what? So this morning, even though that's a great idea, God's got a better idea, 
And it may be a better solution, and it may uh, uh, be something that's beneficial for you. So this morning, I want to show you two different ways of managing money. And all I just want you to do is look at uh, what you see in the two different ways and say, which one am I and which one would I like to be? Maybe you see, you find yourself, this is who I am, and that's who I want to be. Maybe you're like, this is who I am, and this is who I want to be. But maybe you find out, like, well, this is who I am, but no, no, I'd rather be the other. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, all through Scripture, uh, you'll see um, Jesus um, talking about money and talking about possessions. It's something he talked the most about. Matthew chapter 6, we started here a few um, uh, weeks ago. He said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, look it up just so you can say, you know, you can see I'm telling you the truth. It says this, no one can serve two masters. He says, so you're going to hate one, you're going to love the other. You're going to be devoted to one. And that's, that's really the, the main issue. He says, you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved by money. And those kind of words are the same. You can't serve God and serve money. You can't be doing both things. And so what we learned the last couple of weeks is it's really not about the money. It's not about how much you have. It's not about, you know, how, you know, um, how, how much you make. It really has to do with what are you devoted to? Where's your heart at? Does it, do you serve stuff and, and, and use it accordingly? Or do you serve the Lord and you manage money accordingly? Are you devoted to the Lord? Are you devoted to money? It's a heart thing. And he keeps bringing it back to that. Because that's why it applies to every single person. Because no matter how much you have or don't have, you all have a heart. For some, that's... <laughs> never mind. You all, have a, you all have a heart that's leading your life. And there's two ways of how your heart can manage money or use money. And there's the two ways is this. There's God's way. And then there's greed's way. And, and greed is like, oh, that word, we, we don't like that word. You know, I can put greed up on the screen with a cute little puppy, and it says none for me, all, or yeah, none for you, all for me. And you see the cute puppy, and yet it's still that word greed just doesn't really, even with a cute puppy up there, it's just still not a nice sounding word. You know, we, we don't always notice it in ourselves. We notice greed in other people pretty easily. You know, you see that person like, oh, man, they're such a tightwad. Or, oh, man, they just, it's, all, it's always about them. They're just like, take, take, take all the time. And we see that sort of thing like, yeah, just that greed. We see it in kids. If you have kids, they are just born with it. You know, and they grow up and everything is mine. In our house, it's like all week this week, Thanks to yard sales last week, I'm walking, you know, from my, my office to the other rooms to bust up fights because that fidget spinner is mine! Mine. Oh, that word just, it, it grates on you, right? It's like, ugh. And it's so easy to see it in others. But it's not very easy to see it in us. You don't look in the mirror and say, oh, I woke up greedy today. You know, I look pretty good, but man, I'm greedy. You know, I go and introduce myself. Hey, I'm Mark. I'm greedy. We, we... We just don't do that. But, but every once in a while in life, usually in our relationships, all of a sudden that's like the mirror and, and, and then we see it. It just like, it, 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 gets, it gets revealed in our lives and it's, it's like, it's ugly. It's, it's just all of a sudden it's there. For me, to be honest, like a confession time for me, it's, it's not usually difficult for me to give away money. If I feel like, you know, God puts on my heart to give away money, that, that's usually pretty, it's It's okay. What I have difficulty is when it comes to food. It's like when, when I'm, I know it's really, really weird, but it's like I always look at, at, at the amount of food. I'm like, there's not enough. You know, I'll go to my mother-in-law's and she's famous for like, let's just put out some stuff and let's invite, let's put out food for 10, but let's invite 20 people. And I'll be looking like, what are you inviting? Why are you inviting those kids? You know, we're the favorite kids. Don't invite the other, but they have teenagers. There'll be not enough for me. 
I'm wasting away, you can tell, right? But it's like this, 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 it's weird. And then this yesterday of all days, yesterday, this, this happens to me. There's Beth, we have this family text going on. They're all, they're all texting each other. My parents are moved up north, and so they kind of keep in the loop on this text. Well, at Christmas time, um, we gave gifts to each other, homemade gifts. I got, so I don't know who made it, but they made this little wooden box, and it had five mason jars in it, and it was full of, like, make-your-own-hot-chocolate-mixed stuff. And it was, like, pretty sweet, and it sort of sat on our counter. Well, the marshmallows were gone. The mints were gone. All that was left really was the, like, cinnamon sticks because nobody uses those. And so everything else was gone with these five empty jars. And so Beth took it and she turned it into this. She turned it into this like beautiful centerpiece. And so of course, it means so beautiful. She takes a picture of it and posts it on the, the group text. And my family starts, you know, commenting back, oh wow, Beth, you know, it's so great. I'm glad you still love the gift. And you know, I'm glad you're finding other ways to use the gift. And all of a sudden I'm like, that's my gift, you know? Uh, and I come upstairs, I see the text, I'm like, hun, you, you, you did know that that was, that, that was my gift, right? You're like putting it on there like as if it was yours. And she's like, you're so predictable. I knew you were going to come up and say that. I'm like, oh, there it is again. It's mine. <laughs> it, just ugly. Uh-oh, Charlie's preaching in the back. This is not going to be good. But it's like, it just, it just gets there, right? And like, maybe you have that same thing where all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, you know, I, I don't want that greed in my life. But it, for, some time, some, some, for some reason, it's there. You know, all through Scripture, you know, greed's kind of this thing that's kind of difficult to define. But um, as you look at how Jesus taught in different parables, Andy Stanley put in great words. He said this. He says, greed is simply this. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. That's just what greed is. It's assuming that everything I have is for me. It's either for me to eat now and consume now, or if it's me to, to hoard up and save for me later, but whatever I have, it's all mine. And so when greed is your master, because as we said, there's two masters, and we're serving one of them. When greed is our master, we become devoted to stuff. We become, it, it gets a piece of our heart. It's like, that's my food. That's my presence. You know, that's, that's mine, mine, mine. And, and, and I know you don't sound like that, but that's what it's like in the inside. You know, that's what it looks like. That's what it, that's what it sounds like. We become devoted to it. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul wrote to the, uh, Timothy, and he said this, you know, money's not evil. There's nothing wrong with having money. He says this, he says, it's the love of money. It's when you get devoted to money. He says that, it, that it's the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth uh, or from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And you know what it says? It's evil. It's not like, oh, you love money. You're a sinner. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the love of money, it brings all kinds of evil into your life that you don't want. It's not that God doesn't want that in your life. He doesn't. But you don't even want it in your life. It's like you don't want that worry. You don't want that stress. You don't want the anxiety. You really don't. You don't want to look at your bills every month and go, oh, man, there's way more month than there is money. You know, oh, oh man, she overspent again. Oh, you don't want that. You don't want that voice of greed. You don't want people, you don't, you don't want your wife telling you, yep, there you go again. Like, oh, you know, you, you really don't want that in your life. And so he says this, this love, when greed becomes your master, uh, what happens is it, it prioritizes money. And for some, you're like, yeah, I don't see it in the mirror. How do I know if it's in my life? Here's how you know. Greed, when it's your master, will prioritize money in a certain way. It'll cause you to use money in a certain way. And it starts with this. So I want to give you a quick list. Number one, it's this. When, when, when greed is your master, your first thought is spend. And it's spend on your wants. You spend on your, your wants, on your desires. Do we have that list? You just got to click it, I think. Zane set it up to like, there you go. And then click it once. There you go. 
spend on the, on the wants. That's where, you know, the desire. So you get, your, you get money, you're like, what do I really want? What do I, you know, what's going to make me happy? And we, we as a culture, uh, live this way. We spend on what we want. So we upgrade our car, even though, you know, the other one still worked. Um, you know, we upgrade our phones or, you know, our computers. And then it's like, oh, six weeks later, our computer's out of date. I need a new one, right? And, it's, and they know how to get you. And you keep, you keep going buying stuff. And as a culture, as average Canadians, we, we, uh, we wear stuff. We watch stuff, we eat stuff, we drink stuff, we smoke stuff, we drive stuff, whatever the stuff is, it's just got to get more stuff. And we'll talk ourselves into making really bad purchases. We'll say things like this, and I hear it, it just drives me nuts, but I'll hear people say, you know what, I bought that new car because, you know what, I really deserve it. I've worked hard, I've never had a nice car before, I deserve it. Deserve and afford are two different things. If you can afford it, go Go nuts and buy it and say, I bought it because I can afford it. If you can't afford it, don't buy it and say, oh, it's, I bought it because I deserve it. You know, for some, it's like, it'll make me really happy. And it will for a short time. But if you can't afford it, it's not going to make you happy very long. For some, it's like, I really, really need it. Not so much. But we talk ourselves into it. And sometimes, you know, when we can't talk ourselves into it, we try and over-spiritualize it. Like, we know it's a bad thing. But we're, we're going to figure it out. And so what do we do? We, we pray that God will help us make a really bad decision. You, you know it, right? You, you're like, I've had it, I had it a couple weeks ago. There's a couple who's looking for a house. And they're like, you know, we, we liked our house until we saw this other one. And it's bigger and it's nicer. And it's just, that kitchen's amazing. And, and they're like, so we, you know, we saw it. And it's like, oh, man, we have to have it now. And, and I'm like, uh, can you afford it? And they're like, ah, you know what? We, we'll figure out a way, but we have to have it. And so, so we prayed about it. We prayed, God, if it's supposed to be, let our house sell in a really hot seller's market. And Lord, let the bank approve our, our, uh, the amount of money, which they're going to approve, because they're going to make a lot of money on you. And yes, they'll approve you to buy that house, but you're eating craft dinner for the rest of your life if you buy it at that price. And both of those things happen. It's an answer to prayer. And they went and made a fully foolish decision. And I know in a couple of weeks, they'll be in my office saying, Pastor, we need prayer. <laughs> that's, that, that's the kind of stuff that happens. And, and Or we'll find scripture verses, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So you're like, I went to church. I sang the worship songs. I'm delighting myself in the Lord. So he'll give me what I really want. That's not what he's saying. He wants to change your desires to be something that's not all wanting the stuff. You know, stuff, stuff, it, you're like, well, maybe you're sitting here like, yeah, that's not me. And you know what? It's possibly true. Uh, you know, so many have, have done really wisely with their finances. But others, you know, the average Canadian, the average Canadian has, not including mortgage debt, has $21,696 of consumer debt on stuff. Stuff they bought that they couldn't afford, that's the average. That means every single person in this place. That means every single kid in the kids' church. That means every little baby in the nursery. That's the average. That means there's tons with lots more than that of just stuff. Dave Ramsey said it great. He says, we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Why? Because that's what happens when greed is your master. It says, when you get money, spend on your want. And then after you've kind of bought all your wants, you realize, wait a second, I have needs. 
So then it's like, you better spend on your needs. You got to pay your rent. You got to pay, you know, put gas in the car. You got to buy some clothes and you have to have food. Those are the things we actually need. He said, then, then greed says, you know, buy, buy those things. You're like, wait a second. I don't, I don't know if I can afford all of this. So then it says, here's the next thing. Well, if you can't afford it, Visa can. And so you go into debt. And then after you're kind of in debt, we realize many uh, Canadians are in debt and going even deeper. Then the next thing that, that on the list is, well, then we probably should save a little bit for later. Because what if something happens later? I probably should have some money. So they save. If there's anything left, they'll save a little bit. And then the last thought is, you know, I really do feel like I, you know, I should, should be more um, generous with things. And so, you know, I got I to gotta give somewhere. I got to give somebody something, you know, Christmas gifts or whatever. And so they give, but a lot of times they have nothing left to give. And so they go up two steps and they borrow from Visa to give gifts, you know, to buy gift cards for people or whatever it is so that they can give and they can feel a little bit better. Of like, I, I'm really not all that selfish because I, I gave and yet it increased the debt. And so many Canadians are wondering, why isn't this working? The average Canadian is finding themselves in this place. And that's the thing. It's the average Canadian. The governments are warning us they're going to raise interest rates. And we're like, and that most of our country won't be able to handle that. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that before. It's fine. It's fine. Spend is the way to get out of debt. Just spend more and we'll get out of debt. I don't know how that works, but that's what they say. You know, the banks are, are putting up ads saying, hey, trying to get Canadians to save more money. And yet, then they continue to lend more. The credit card companies will say, it's going to take you 19 years and three months to pay off your balance if you pay the minimum thing. And we'd like to lend you another 5000 because you're so awesome. You know, we spend so much more time working overtime, working two jobs, having our, both, both parents working as much as possible. Why? To buy into this thing. And we spend less time with the people we love. We spend less time just really enjoying life. Why? Because we don't realize that subtly there's a master that we didn't even know we were serving. And we become stressed and anxious, and we try to buy happiness, but we're not happy. And we, we become a prisoner to money, we become a prisoner to debt, and a prisoner ultimately to this master called greed. And it's just that subtle. So my question for you is, if this is the average Canadian, do you want to be average? Do you want to be average? I don't think anybody grows up and is like, yeah, my goal in life is going to be average. just want to grow up, be you know, average guy, drive an average car, marry an average wife. It's just really, really, my, my goal in my life is to have average kids. Like, that, that's going to be great. None of us want to be average. And I would challenge you with that thought of, I don't want to be average, to motivate you to think about possibly considering another way. What would it look like? I'm talking to followers of Jesus this morning right now. What would it look like if we actually, if we actually considered and handled our money as if God was our master rather than greed? What if we realize that following Jesus, like following him, isn't like the, uh, something we, we just call ourselves, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it's actually like, no, I'm following Jesus. So what Jesus says about things in life, that's what I'm doing because he's my master. So when, when he says, hey, this is how you should use money, or this is how you should view marriage, or this is how you should treat people, that's what I'm doing because I'm following him. What if we actually lived like that? What would it look like? What if we managed money the way he designed for us to manage it? Well, when greed is your master, it looks like that. When God is your master, it's a little different. It starts with gratitude. You're just realizing, you know what? It's all his, but he's entrusted me with some. So I'm thankful for what I have. I don't need to have what everyone else has because I, he's entrusted me with, with what he's given um, to me, and I just want to use that for him. We don't treat money like it's all for me, but we, we manage it the way that he would want us to because we're thankful that he's given it to us. And so here's the thought, and quickly, as we, because it's really, actually really simple, it's so simple, a child can do it. It's, you know, the, the idea is not the list that we saw on this side. Oh, it's on that side again, that's okay. It's this, 
It's, it actually just flips the script. Instead of being spend, 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 save, give, it goes the other way around. It says give first, then save, and then live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this at the end after he said you can't serve God and money. He says to them this in Matthew 6, 31. Don't worry about these things. Don't worry about stuff saying what will we eat. You know, you can put your own, you can put in me instead. What will me eat? What will, what will me drink? What will me wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He says, when you, when you think like that, like, what's it going to be for me? He says, you're, you're living as if there's no God. You're just living your life believing, you know, there must not be a God, so it's all up to me. I, I've got to take care of it. I've, I've got to do it. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? How am I going to afford a car? How am I going to do all this? He says, but your heavenly Father, you have a heavenly Father who loves you incredibly. You have a heavenly Father who knows your needs. And he says he already knows them. And so he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other translations, it says, seek first his kingdom. Seek what he's all about first. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. You know, as you see throughout Scripture, there's tons of verses that talk about this idea of giving to God first. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Why honor? Because honor is a hard thing. Honor is about God. Yeah, it's all from you. This is yours. I'm managing it for you. And because of I'm honoring you as, as my Lord, as my master, as the one I'm serving and, and living for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some money away first because it's not mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it where to go and I'm going to give it away. And with the first fruits, it says of your increase, the first fruits is like, God, I'm going to give the best. I'm going to give gratefully and graciously. And it says, you know, he promises so often that as you live that way, he says, your barns are going to be filled with plenty. And some of you who are not farmers are like, I don't even have a barn. You know, what, how, how does that apply to me? He says, your vats will overflow with new wine. And some of you be like, yes, you know, but that's not what he means. He's saying, you know, he's saying this idea of there's going to be blessing in your life. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm your father. He says, if you'll honor me, I'm going to take care of you. If you'll take steps in my direction, I'm going to step in yours. He says, it's a, you know, the first step in managing money rather than serving money, managing it rather than being enslaved to it is this simple thought. Because you can do, if you, don't, if you don't get the idea of giving first, you can still do the saving and the spending just like on the other side. It'll still cause all kinds of pain. You gotta tell your money where to go. And the first thing to do is decide, I'm gonna give. I'm just, I'm gonna do it. And some, for some of you, like, I have no money. You know, and like, how is this gonna affect me? It's crazy. I keep hearing stories of people who, who said, you know what? We were, we were broke, broke, broke. And you never gave money when you had money. And now you don't have money. Like, how can I give anything when I don't have anything? But they said, but you know what? That way, just, my, the old way just didn't work. I'm going to try something different. Last night, I had a couple who share with me this. They, they, they're, they're married. They have adult kids. They said, in October, we started doing this for the very first time where we decided we're going to do what the, what, what, the, what the word says. We're going to give first, even though we, we don't know how this is going to work. They said that was in October. For the very first time, they said, we now have money in our checking account every month at the end of the month, and we've never had that before, and it feels good. Why? Because they decided, you know, I'm going to do something. So we just challenge you this with this. Pick a percentage. Pick a percentage, not just not an amount, but a percentage, because a percentage will always make sure that no matter how much you make, you'll always realize that I'm not, I'm, this is not going to be my master. So I encourage you, maybe say, I'm going to give 5%. Maybe for you, like, no, I'll give 10. Maybe for you, it's like, no, 25%. I've got to give at least that much in order for it to, to matter. And so uh, for some, maybe like, I'm going to give 7.97%, whatever. You just pick a number. 
So, you know, if it's 10%, you say, hey, because that's the easiest for me to do the math on the fly. It's like, you know, if I'm going to give, if I make $10, I'm going to give $1. And here's why we say pick a percentage, because when you make 100 bucks, you're like, okay, I got to give 10 bucks. I can do that. And then when you make $1,000, you're like, wow, you know, I got to give $100. Mm, yeah, okay. And then you get to 10000 and you're like, uh, yeah, I'll just give 100 you know, because it becomes that easy. Oh, that'll be my amount. I'll just give 100. No matter if I make 100,000, yeah, I'll give 100. He's, he's saying pick a percentage so that at no point you've already decided what you're going to do so that at no point greed will kind of get its fingers into your life again. He's like, you know what? It's not mine. I'm going to give. I'm going to give it away. Teach your kids this. Teach them. You know, a couple of years ago, we started this with our kids. We got these jars, three jars, give, save, spend. And so for our kids, we teach them give, give, um, out of every 10, give one, save five, and give, or, or, yeah, and spend four. And for some, you know, as adults, maybe that's way too high. Uh, for my kids, they just don't need to spend that much money. But the, the idea would be, say, you know, give one, save one, and spend the rest. Give one, save one. So 10, 10, 80. Realizing that, you know, if I can live on that. And why, why do you think I do that with my kids? For some of you, like, why, why does he tell his kids to give, you know, the first, first dollar to the church? And for some, you're like, maybe that's how he gets paid, you know? He just, like, he just really, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, you know, that guy, he just, he just wants the church to get their money. That's what he's all about. That's not why I'm doing it. You know, what I'm doing is because I want my kids to never have to experience this master called greed. I never want them to be tied up into debts they can't owe because they just never understood how to use money because everyone else is going to try and tell them how to use it. I never want them to be in that place. And for some of you, and say, as I challenge you with this idea of, hey, give, give a percentage to the Lord somehow. You're like, well, I'm not getting, you know, I don't know if I can give it to Kingsway yet. I mean, I don't know if I, don't give it here then. Don't, don't, I'm challenging you, don't, don't do it here. If this is the block for you, just give it somewhere else. Go find someone who's needy and just give that money to them. Just tell your money, this is where you're going, to give. Give first. And then the second thought is this, save. Proverbs chapter 6, and all through Scripture, you'll see it. Proverbs chapter 6 says this, take a lesson from the ants. I know it's a little humbling, but it's, it's incredible. He says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and, and, uh, and become wise. He says, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer. There's some inner intentionality. They gather food for the winter. He says, but you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. He says, then poverty is going to pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. He's saying, you know, learn a lesson from the ants and, and be wise. He says, they work hard, but they store up. They don't spend everything on themselves. They store up a portion. Question is this. They store up for winter. How often does winter come around in Canada? It's not a trick question. How often does winter come around in Canada? Once a year. Every year you can expect winter to come, right? So you prepare for it. How often do surprises come in your finances? Every month, every day, you know, once a year. We never know because it's a surprise. And he's saying learn from them and store up for the surprises because for many you're one surprise away from, from financial um, difficulty or ruin. You know, the thing is like this, surprises happen. Like wife buys a new dress, surprise, $200. You know, it's like, you know, all of a sudden then, you know, wife comes home and backs into the garage door, surprise, $2,000, right? Then wife comes home from the variety store and tells you, surprise, we're pregnant, you know? And, and now you're like $243,660 you're gonna spend over the next 18 years, surprise. 
Some of you, you know, you're, you're one surprise away. You don't realize that things break down. The roof's going to leak. The furnace is going to break. Your car's not going to last forever. We always encourage you, put away at least $1,000. Do whatever it takes. I mean, except breaking the law. But do whatever it takes to put $1,000 away that, that the next surprise happens isn't one of those things that's going to affect your relationships. It's like, you know, everything's sort of fine, and then all of a sudden the car breaks down, and, and you know, or, or even... In our family, for instance, Beth, years ago, she crashed the van, and we had saved up some money, so it was okay. But for many, it's like, you're just barely making it, and all of a sudden, she, like, dings up the car. You're like, we got to buy a headlight. And you're like, well, you parked it. You don't park the car too close. And yeah, well, you, you know, it's a nice day. You should have been able to do it. I was like, <laughs> everybody's, like, angry at each other. Just save up $1,000 to save you from that. And the last thing is this, live on the rest. You know, you'll spend so much, you'll spend so much more wisely if this is step three rather than step one. You'll spend so much more wisely if you gave away some and you saved some and then challenge yourself just to live on 80% of what you make. That that's what I'm going to live on. So you can pay off debt with that. You can, you can, uh, you can buy, you can you know, spend whatever you want. But it's that, that thing, you know why? Because most people don't know what percentage of their income they're living on. Like, do you know what percentage of your income it costs you to live right now? Percentage? Some of you are like, 100%. (laughs) Can I tell you what the average Canadian answer is? 169%. Why? Because they never watch to actually see how much much does it cost me to live. I'm not living on 80%. I'm living on 169%, which means me and 69% from the bank is what's keeping me alive right now. And it's getting worse. Encouraging you to think about that. So this whole series has been for this, these, these thoughts of if you know more about how it works, that you would do something about it so that you don't have to worry. Your Heavenly Father doesn't want you to worry and stress. He doesn't want you to be average. So decide that you don't want to be average. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. Don't go into that spot of, of being in debt. Watch, watch, watch your money and see where it's going and then decide intentionally. Come up with a plan. Tell it where to go. If you're like, I don't know how to do that. Then it's like, say, admit to someone else saying, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? And someone can help you do that as well. And so in closing, this is, this is it. How's your balancing going? How's it really going? Do you know? Do you know? Are you keeping an eye on it? Are you making the corrections that you need to make? Do you need to make some adjustments in your life? Maybe today the adjustment is like, oh, you know, I think I'm this guy. But the adjustment I want to make is to move over to this side. Do you live like, do you live? So when you saw the charts there today, do you live like money is your master? Do you live like greed is your master? I know you don't want to say, yeah, greed's my master, but do you live like it is? Or on the flip side, do you live like you believe, like you have a heavenly father who loves you, who cares about you, who knows what's best for you, who you can trust completely, and and he has trusted you with some of his wealth to manage? Do you believe like that? I want to encourage you as you move in God's direction and do things the way that he set out, the purpose for what money is supposed to be, he'll move in yours. See it every single time. It's crazy. I guess it's not that crazy because that's the way it's supposed to be. But I'd encourage you. Maybe you're here and you're like, you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a believer. You're like, I'm not going to do what some old book says. Then don't do it for God and don't do it for me, but do it for you. Because years down the road, you will thank previous you and say, wow, I'm so glad I'm you. I'm so glad you were so wise because now I'm me and I'm smiling because of what, what I did for me. The way you manage it matters. This is not like some of you are like, Mark, that's just common sense. I know, but common sense is so uncommon. So this morning, I challenge you to take what you see and just do it for you. 
And, and the other thought is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're managing someone else's stuff and to do it for him because you'll give an account. So know where your money's going. And you'll know where it's going by telling it where to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and powerful, that it, it, it really affects our lives in a, in a real way. It's, it's incredible that no matter how old it is, it's still vital for our lives today. Pray that you help us to understand where we fit in in this, uh, in, in this um, uh, uh, journey and where the step that we're at and help us to take the next step in honoring you. Uh, with this. Lord, I pray for those who are under incredible stress and, and, and uh, anxiety over this. I pray you give them the courage to reach out, to talk to someone, to, to help get on a, in a place where they, uh, they don't have to worry about it, but they can actually be a blessing to the world around them, so that other people would see you through those blessings, and they'd see your heart and see uh, and maybe come to know you as their Heavenly Father. Thank you that as we leave this place, we don't leave you here. We're everywhere we go. You're with us. Uh, help us to shine bright for you this week. It's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen.